Hello and welcome to On the Battlefield with Father Michael, Mark, and Tony, and me, Father Joseph Collins, where we are sharing the Christian message of hope and endurance amidst the struggles and upheavals of life. Father Michael, good to be with you. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find us online and on social media? Yes, outstanding. So glad that you all joined us tonight. Uh, of course, you can find us at On the Battlefield Podcast on social media. Just go to Facebook or Instagram and look for On the Battlefield Podcast. And of course, we're on our main platform at Anchor FM. Just look for On the Battlefield as well as Spotify, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, and if you like what you see here, please do like, share, subscribe, and uh, and leave your comments and questions because we want to turn this into as much of a dialogue and as little of a monologue as possible. So we want to interact with you and find out uh, what you'd like to know and make this beneficial for everyone. So, so ask away and share with your friends. Thank you. So yeah, thanks, Father Michael. Last time we talked about setting goals and the steps involved with that. Uh, so really, it's it's taking idea, putting it down on paper, uh, creating manageable steps, and starting to move forward. And th with that, we want to talk tonight about the beginning process of executing on that goal, uh, taking it from an idea on a piece of paper and actually being able to live it out and attain it. Um, we, we were talking a little bit already before we, we started recording and this idea of new year's resolutions. Now, how many people say on new year's Eve, you know, it's my resolution that I'm going to set this goal. And my goal is seven days a week. I'm going to exercise for two hours a day. Do you see any issue with that at all? So, right, there's like in my opinion, right, what we're looking at is we're looking at the difference between objective and particular or objective and subjective, right? So, like, say the person who says they want to work out um, for like 40 minutes to an hour every day, you know, every day of the week, seven days a week, work once a day, every day for like 40 minutes to an hour. Objectively speaking, like just by itself, taking in no other factors, that's that's really that's not a bad plan. That's not unattainable. That is something that can be done where it becomes unattainable, where it becomes unrealistic is where you start to take in the factors of the particular. If you're someone who is already an athlete, if you're already working out, if you're already used to training, you know, once a day, every day is not bad. You can do that. Um, if you're going from zero, if you're going from nothing, like you're starting from just bare bones or, you know, you had an injury 20 years ago, you haven't exercised and, you know, since college and now you're in your forties or whatever, um, that's too big of a jump going from zero to seven days a week or one day to seven days a week is ridiculous. Like that jump is too big. So this is where you got to look and say, it's like, not just is what I'm trying to pursue realistic, but am I in the position relative to it for it to be realistic for me? Because if it's not realistic for me, then it really doesn't help if the plan's really good. So like, um, you know, I, like if you were to talk to, if you were to talk to a monastic and ask him what his prayer rule is, it's very realistic for him living in a monastic community. You know, these guys, especially on Mount Athos, they get up at 3 a.m. 
and the vigil, the church vigil doesn't start, it doesn't end until like 9 a.m. They start their day with a six hour vigil every day before breakfast. But their whole day is centered around prayer and services and manual labor. They're not doing anything else. It's realistic for them. They can do that. And before the vigil, they're in their cells doing their individual rule. So they're up at like, you know, 1.30 doing, doing individual prayers before making it to church by three. That, that schedule is very realistic if you're an Athenite monk. But if you're a dad in, you know, in suburban Shyoming, we're going to bring Shyoming back. If you're a dad in suburban Shyoming and you've got a 13-hour workday across town, and you got to get the kids ready for school, that schedule doesn't work at all. So you, you got to look and say, not just is it realistic, but is it realistic? Is it realistic relative to me and my actual position? Not the position I'd like, the position I have. Uh, because if it's not, you'll accomplish absolutely nothing. And like when people ask me about prayer and they're like, oh, I can't say all these prayers. I'm like, well, say some of them. Because... Something is infinitely better than nothing. So, yeah. So that that's so. What what do you think about that? I mean, like the fact that it's not just. I mean, am I am am, am I on the right track? What do you think? Like the idea that it's not just is the uh, is the goal realistic, but is are things realistic to my actual position? Are they realistic for me, not just in general? I think that's perfect because even if even if I'm at zero days a week and zero hours a day, my goal can still be to exercise an hour a day, seven days a week. But I need to know, I need to evaluate, evaluate my situation. I need to evaluate myself and, and prepare myself for a progression toward that. Mm-hmm. It, it is unrealistic to believe that on New Year's Day, when many people are s- struggling with a hangover, that they're going to get up and do an hour's worth of exercise when for the past year or never have they ever done that. So then one of two things happens. Either you quit because you never started. The habit was broken before it was ever established and you just quit and you're like, you know what? That was a stupid goal anyway. I'm just going to carry on a, which you see an, an awful lot or B people actually set out to do the thing with wonderful, good intentions, but because of a lack of self-awareness or a lack of actual preparation, or they weren't prepared mentally they get to the point where it gets hard. It's hard to, to form new habits, especially good habits in the first place. But then what happens when you're tired or you're sore and you don't want to do it anymore? Are you mentally prepared to fight through or are you going to establish a habit of quitting? Are you going to have establish a habit of giving up? Are you just going to habituate yourself to, to losing continuously throughout your life because you didn't prepare to execute because you, you were too ambitious and too zealous and you went too hard, too fast at something that you very well could have done with a little bit of measure. Uh, I think that answers your question. I hope uh, well. Well, I mean, that's the, but I, I like the word you use there. And that's what I want to pick up on this. So what you, you said it perfectly, habituate. 
and 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 that's that's a real thing so i mean there is this there's a mixed bag because you know failure is part of the endeavor right i mean it's that's what makes orthodox christianity such a, a, a true theological gem. I mean, it is the fullness of truth given to us by the apostles, but what makes it so gorgeous is that failure is built into the equation. Like it's not like there's not a plan B, right? It's going, no, no, no. We fall in, we fail. What do we do? You repent, you learn, you process it this way. I mean, there, there, it is built into that there will be valleys, not just this continuous string of mountain peaks, but you habituate yourself to things. So you can really, again, this is all preparation, all preparation. So if you've prepared yourself, like if you've prepared yourself with a string of negativity, you're going to do poorly. And like, what do I mean, right? Like if you... If your preparation for, I need to develop a, I, my goal is I need to develop a good habit of prayer. I need to develop a consistent habit of prayer. And you say, okay, I'm going to pray three hours a day. That's going to be 3000 Jesus prayers and every hour of the canonical hours and orthros every day before sun comes up. I'm just going to, I'm just going to read orthros and not only will uh, you will not do those things, it, it's it's too much too quickly. And not only that, you're going to discourage yourself for future practice. So now you're going to get done with that and say, oh, that didn't work. Maybe prayer is not for me. Well, let me try again. And the thing is, if your next attempt is just as poorly calculated, you're going to get five or six failed goes at prayer and think maybe prayer doesn't work or maybe I'm not cut out for prayer or maybe I just can't. No, maybe you just, maybe you're coming at this all wrong. Uh, you know, it's the, the problem isn't the prayers, you know, you get people in the gym. The problem isn't the exercises. They're really not that hard. They're really not that complicated. But if you go in there and you're, you're trying to put Olympic level weight on the bar, you're going to have a bad time. And the more miserable it is, the more you're training yourself not to do it in the future. So like when those prayers become misery, you're training yourself not to do it in the future. And the minute you miss one, you're training yourself to miss another and then miss another, and then you're down to zero. Same thing with exercise. If it's absolute misery and torture, you're training yourself to not do it later to put it off and eventually give it up. Whereas what you see high level athletes and people with great spiritual acumen do is they slowly build up through very attainable victories, like real solid attainable victories. So like, you know, your spiritual father might say to you, just say three minutes, like you're just starting prayer. Just say three minutes of the Jesus prayer every day. That's it. Just three minutes or two minutes. And bump that up to five, then 10. Just read the epistle and the gospel every day. Like you're coming from zero, just read that. It's available free online. Someone comes in working out, like you've got people, right? Who they want to get in shape. They're intimidated. And, you know, just being able to lift the bar on the bench press 10 times in a row properly can be a real victory for them. But racking and it's important not to gloss over that because wrapping up those small attainable victories trains yourself to believe that you can do more. And it trains yourself to, to 
come at it with the proper attitude. You know, it's Jesus that says, God, no, I'm sorry. It's a Paul that says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we usually think about that in terms of money. Well, forget money for the moment. God loves a cheerful giver. How about giving our effort, the giving of our prayer, the giving of our thanks, the giving of, 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 of our lives, like he doesn't want that begrudgingly. How often do we say in the divine liturgy, let us commit ourselves one another and our whole life to Christ our God. Do you think he wants that begrudgingly? He doesn't want that begrudgingly. He loves a cheerful giver. Lord, we are here because we want to be here. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's how we're meant to love him perfectly. Well, then it would be cheerful. It's like, I, I, it's like, not like how much longer does this service go? It's like, how much longer can I go in this service for the one I love? So that, but you, you don't get to that attitude by starting all the way at the finish line. You got to start incrementally. You got to start small, but you have to move it incrementally. And that's where people usually get stuck. They say, well, I'm going to start small and that's prudent. But then that becomes an excuse to never move the bar, to never move ahead, to never go anywhere and just stay in mediocrity. And that's why uh, going solo is a bad idea. You know, you need a spiritual father. You need the extended family of community and your friends to push you and say, no, no, no. You, all right, you, you, you got good here long enough. Now we need to up the ante just a little bit. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I think I love, I loved your use of the word habituate because we will, you will habituate yourself to one thing or another. And if you habituate yourself to giving up, it becomes easier and easier and easier. So we, we established that the goal of man, let's, let's use this, that the, that the goal of each individual and each community in Christ in the church has as its goal union with God. Uh, because that gives us a nice lifelong goal to work with. It, it sets a it sets a, it sets a trajectory for the entirety of my life, not just the next week or two weeks or, or the short term. So we have that goal that that my life is to be dedicated to God and to have union with Him. And as as priests, as as leaders in the church, as adults in the church, spiritual spiritual adults, hopefully, <laughs> but. As, as those people in the church, how do we ourselves uh, prepare for the long journey? How do we help prepare other people for that long journey? Um, we've already started to discuss the, the, the mental acumen that we need to have, that, that, that being, being in a place where we're mentally prepared and mentally on board is really important, that there's going to be some physical aspects to it. Uh, what other sorts of uh, preparedness uh, can you think of, Father Michael, to help us launch ourselves in on on the right path and to be ready for the pitfalls and the suffering and the downfalls, the highs, the joys, all all of the combination of things as we as we start to prepare to to set out on this journey. This is so. There's this saying in the Desert Fathers that that it can sound kind of circular. And I'm about to use it and I'm going to sound kind of circular, like it sounds like a non-answer, but it's actually an answer. Um, you know, there's a saying in the Desert Fathers, pray and the prayer will teach you everything. And Solomon does kind of the same thing in, uh, in I, it's in, I believe it's Proverbs. It might be one of the other books of wisdom literature. 
um, but I think it's Proverbs, where he says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. I mean, like, seriously, I mean, that amounts to the same thing. Pray in the prayer will teach you everything. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. It's, it, it sounds ridiculous. You're like, if I don't have it, how am I supposed to get it? But that's the thing. How do you get wisdom? You do the things that accord with wisdom. You do wise things. You don't just sit around and think about it. You start doing it. How do you learn how to pray? Well, I mean, you can read all the books about prayer and know all the stuff about prayer, but unless you're praying, you don't have prayer. And so the biggest, I mean, to me, the biggest intermediary step towards moving towards anything is just getting started at all. You want to, you want to figure out how to make sense of the Bible? Just start reading some of it. You want to figure out how to pray? Just start praying regularly. Uh, I mean, that, you know, that really is it because here's the thing, the doing will, the act of doing will translate any academic stuff you read afterwards. So like, Right now, if you know this, you know this because you you helped me back at seminary. You helped me change my brakes. You know uh, just as well as anybody that uh, I have no mechanical skill. I am not a a mechanical dude. I I don't know this stuff. I'm not good at it. Um, So I don't know these things intuitively. It's not something I'm good at. Um, so say you asked me to do something on my engine and you gave me a book that showed a diagram of a car engine with a bunch of lines and numbers and everything else. And it explains it. I could read that thing all day long and maybe I could even regurgitate some of it, but it makes, it's going to make no sense to me. However, comma, if we start out by spending some time under the hood and I'm just toying around with the engine and we're touching things and you're, you know, I'm, you're showing me stuff and I'm pulling things out like the, uh, you know, <clears throat> pulling, you know, like uh, the, the, you know, checking the oil, checking the transmission or whatever. You're doing the things you can do. You've had some hands on. Suddenly when you go and you look at the diagram, you're like, oh, I remember that. That makes sense. I, I see that. That's what I was just looking at. That's what I was just fiddling with, uh, you know, uh, with the engine. Doing will make the academic stuff say, make sense. Um, I, and I, I've, I've had that consideration in the liturgy too. Because like our service books, the priest, the, uh, the priest service books, like it's got a lot of gaps, not gaps, gaps, but it's like it, presumes that you're a priest who knows how to do the liturgy, you know? Like if you were to take a liturgicon and give it to a layperson, it might throw them for a little bit of a loop just because it's written for someone who is performing the service and who knows how to perform the service. So the stuff that they need is in big, bold letters jumping out at you. And the stuff that's going on in the background or the choir is doing or whatever is in smaller print. And so it's kind of the backwards perspective. But if you're if you're used to the doing, it makes perfect sense. So like, I, I, you know, the biggest thing, yeah, we talked about last time, figuring out where you're headed, what is you're trying to achieve, whether it's, you know, your loving marriage or uh, athletic excellence or a successful career or holiness in Christ. Um, and, and yeah, we're eventually going to talk about getting there or being on the way, but just getting started small, 
at all, like doing anything regularly is huge. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's to me, that, that's, that's a big part of it. That's, that's where, that's where I see that going. Um, and I think that's what, I think that's what clears it up and that, and what makes it make sense is actually getting your hands dirty and starting to do it. So necessarily going to the gym and, or out onto the road and just starting to walk right now in the high heel pumps that you wore to work today mm. would not be the best first step, but maybe going down to your local shoe store and grabbing a pair of comfortable walking shoes would be an appropriate first action. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and keep in mind, right? Like, so like what's, all right. So for the walking shoes, like what's like, are these, are these shoes that we want to like do the metaphor? Are these shoes that we want to run in? Are these shoes you want to hike in? Like what, what are the shoes for? You need to know the game, right? I mean, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring a pair of baseball cleats uh, to walk uh, a 5k my feet would hate me and I would hate me too. So you need to know the game. So we need to stop and think about what is this? What is this? What is this process that we're going on? Do I need a pair of cross trainers? I would think that would probably be the, the most appropriate uh, purchase. Uh, something that if I need to do a little bit of running, they're going to be at home. If I have to go off road a little bit, they're going to serve me well. If there's walking involved, I'm going to be, in an appropriate uh, pair of kicks, as it were. So thinking about, but this is the men, this is not necessarily academic, but this is mental preparedness, thinking about all of the potential things to the, we're humans. We can't see the future perfectly, but we need to take into account what the game might bring our way, what, what the journey might have in store for us and plan appropriately so that when obstacles do come up, we can execute. Right. But that, that like the, so that mental preparedness, that's that habituating we were talking about earlier. It, it's you're you're getting mentally prepared by habituating yourself to the activity. Human beings can get used to just about anything. Like just about anything can become normal. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the big secret to basic training in the military. It's like, yeah, a month ago, you were this partying college kid, and two months from now, you're going to be a, a straight-up soldier. Well, because you can get used to anything pretty quick. Um, but that's what that 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 mental conditioning—that's that, that habituating. So yeah, getting getting your supplies, like I mean, you know, your running shoes, whatever that's a metaphor for. Getting your supplies is important as much as it's a part of setting the mental attitude, the mental game, like, okay, when I put these on, we're going to the track, you know, when I put these on, we're hitting the courts, whatever. Um, and equally though, in there, there's an interval, however, where in order to give them that force, you've got to act on it and you've got to do it and you've got to get used to it because part of what makes like, say like you'll see athletes, right? Like they've got their lucky cleats, or their lucky running shoes, or you know the the vest that they always wear for whatever, um, and that only works because they've accumulated a strong psychological association with 
happily with joyfully pursuing their goal and this object. When I've had my best days running, these are the shoes I wore. I hate running, by the way, but for people who like running, I, I did enough running while I was in the army to have a representative sample to say that on the one hand, I can do it. On the other hand, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> there are other things I enjoy more. Um, I mean, I, I've got a favorite gi for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've got a favorite gi. And, you know, when I wear it, I stand a little taller because it's got some of my favorite memories from my favorite roles. Uh, I mean, but it's so that's why it's important to accumulate, habituate yourself to those little micro goals, to those little micro achievements um, and, and set them and start doing them so that you get real mileage, mental mileage, and then mentally you're ready to go farther. Because if the task still seems too far in the future and too amorphous, you're not going to go anywhere. Um, so that like, these are things to be aware of. Like it can't, you can't try to bite off too much than you can choose. Uh, you can't try to bite off more than you can chew, right? Too much at one time. Um, also you can't just procrastinate and never get started and just think about it. And you, so, so you can't move too fast and you can't move too slow, but you do have to get going. You do have to start doing it. Um, because if you accumulate those supplies, like you were saying in your metaphor, the running shoes, and you don't put any action with it, it's not long before that motivation and symbol becomes empty and sterile, right? And, and then it's just, oh, well, that, yeah, that's my, those are my, my gym keys that I, that I keep hanging on the, the nail by the wall. You know, that's where they go, not in my pocket. So like, you, you've got to create an association with the doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I was, forgive me. I was sitting here laughing and I was imagining you really hating running because you're, if you don't know Father Michael, he's vertically challenged. And I, I'm sure I can imagine, don't, don't, don't I imagine your sure. legs moving at about three times the rate of your taller cohort. Oh, and dude, it just was terrible. hating it, right? I mean, your legs are moving at a hundred mile an hour pace when they're running at a 20 mile an hour pace. And that must have been completely awful. Oh, dude, it was the worst. I, so like we do ruck marches, you know, we're, we do, <laughs> we do, we do ruck marches and I'm, 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 I'm marching, right? I'm marching and I've got the distance. Here's the thing. The people in front of behind me, they're all like six feet tall. I'm five foot four. So like in order to keep the pace and the distance that everyone else can walk at with their long legs, I'm having to like practically like trot, you know? And they're like, don't run. I'm like, well, I, my legs, I, well, I, my options are limited, man. This is how long my legs are. This is the pace everyone else is setting. I mean, yeah, no, no, no. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, you know, it's just, but you deal with it. Right. And, and to be honest, I be but here's the thing. Here's the thing. So like, let's talk about one of those ruck marches. Like, what do you got to get to get ready for ruck march? Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know how much weight you need to carry. Right. And that there's a lot of factors that go into how much weight you need to put in your, your pack for a ruck march and you know that but we won't sidetrack with that how much weight are you carrying how much gear are you guys taking um what are the conditions so you need to know right like um you know which boots which are your most broken in boots 
You're not taking, you're not taking, they've changed the footwear now. But back then, you know, we had our, we had our, I had dress jump boots, right? Because I was in an airborne unit. You're not wearing those things for a ruck march. Those are for your dress uniform. They look great and they're stiff as all get out. You're not wearing those for a ruck march. You're going to wear your worn in, been out in the field, like falling apart, dog, you know, dog chew toy grade leather boots because they're comfy. Um, you know, are you stretched out? Are you hydrated? If you weren't hydrated, like if you've been drinking all week and you're all, your muscles are cramped up and you're not hydrated, you're going to have a bad time. Doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in, you know, all that's preparation. And then it's like, have, have you ever moved at all with this pack on at all? Because if we're going on a 10 K ruck March and you've never carried a hundred pound pack, you might want to start just carrying it from one end of the room to the other a few times every day. That's going to get you habituated mentally into, into believing that you really can carry it and you'll feel more, you'll, that's going to get used to the idea that yes, I can move this weight. Uh, but also, uh, also it's going to let you know, like what adjustments need to be made. And then you don't want to find that out when you leave for the rug march. You want to know that ahead of time, you know? And so all of that goes into the prep. But if, but if you don't do those things, you know, if you don't do those things and you just say, well, you know, I'm good, I can make it. And eventually you're not going to. And that's a recipe for mediocrity. But at the same time, if all you do is study how to do a rug march and you know what needs to go in the pack, but you haven't ever carried that thing, you're going to be like, nope, it, it all, I went down the list. It all checks out. This is by the book, everything that needs to be there. And that thing's going to crush you. And you're going to have a miserable three hours and you're probably going to, you know, rock out and, you know, the, the, the Humvee is going to have to drive you back to, <laughs> back to the company and it's going to be embarrassing. And, you know, I mean, like, so, I, I, you know that that's that you know what i mean yeah i do but um not but i i totally understand you and i, w I would really like to make this distinction and see how it's received but there is a very clear distinction in my mind at least between academic knowledge and actually walking through the process mentally there's a difference between academic knowledge and mental preparedness. Mm. Uh, I read a I read a study that was produced by a large uh, training facility in Germany, and I'll spare you all the details. But in the end, uh, people who exercised solely with no mental preparation, and people who exercised and mentally prepared, but they exercised proportionately less. Uh, say, say I, I'm I'm doing uh, four reps of 100 pounds on the bench, and that's that's my exercise uh, at four reps. And then the guy next to me is doing two reps, but he's spending uh, an equal amount of time mentally preparing. The people who mentally prepared, and by mentally prepared, I mean, and what they specified was people who would think about and run through their mind. Okay, I'm in the car. I'm pulling up to the gym. Fast forward, I'm at the locker. 
I'm dressed. I'm on the floor. I've found my spotter. I'm on the bench. I'm laying flat on my back. I'm extending my hands. I'm wrapping my hands around the bar. I'm flexing my muscles and I'm preparing for that launch off the rack. Bang, it's up, down, slowly, hold, up. I mean, that kind of real focus on the work at hand, those people were actually showing equivalent gains to the people who were only doing more reps. So it's one thing to say, ah, yes, academically, I have a locker and I have weights and yes, everything is according to plan and all is well and good. And now I'm going to go lift weights versus being like walking through the whole process and being like, okay, what could go wrong? What happens if I get all the way down and I don't have the gas, then what, you know, all of these contingencies and that, that creates mental toughness that creates mental preparedness. So when adversity comes, I don't quit. Yeah. And well, and that's, and, and that's essential, you know, that's essential. Uh, and I think that's part of the problem of what we're talking about is in order to make a point, it's hard. It, it, so if you, if you, if you speak in too many generalities, you really don't end up saying anything. Um, but in order to make a point concrete enough to have impact, you can, over specify, you know, you can become too concrete. Uh, the reality is, you know, yes. I mean, I think there's that in the fact, I, I know the type of studies you're talking about and everyone from, uh, everyone from, you know, NFL athletes to soldiers to, uh, I mean, every sphere of life, there, there has been ample studies, not just the one you're discussing, but plenty that point out that intensive, focused mental rehearsing has measurable benefit measurable gains uh there are these mirror mirror neurons in, in your brain that will react now you've got to really be you're not just thinking about it, you're like really studiously going through and you'll feel if you're really going through an activity you're going to engage in in your mind you'll feel the muscles contract and you'll you know your pulse rate will go up and things like that um it's harder to keep that pace up because there's no activity to to keep it driven. But yeah, uh, having that mental space is important because even that, even keeping your mind uh, mired in it, you know, when things do get hard, it's still going to feel like familiar territory and you can push through. So St. Paul says to take every thought captive to Christ. Well, I mean, that's really useful because like, like say you're used to, say you're used to, um, you know, you've got some daily rule of prayer and some regular rule of studying the scripture, but then like famine hits or plague hits or persecution hits, you know, in the Roman empire or something like that. And now suddenly you're meeting a challenge that you, that you haven't before. Um, well, if you're, if you've mentally, prepared yourself to fully be in that game all the time. I mean, that's going, that has a, that has a better chance of lasting and not, and you won't mentally gas out. Uh, but if, if your mind, if you're used to your mind, not being engaged, you will disengage more quickly. So yeah, having the mental engagement is a big part of actually finding longevity and success in, any demanding undertaking for sure. 
You're, I, I have to, I mean, we're on the same page then, which is good, I, especially for everyone listening, because, and, and in the Christian life, how, how important is it to have that mental engagement, to have that spiritual engagement with, with the goal? I mean, that is such a huge part of training. And that's a huge part of what I intend to do with people that I'm discipling is getting them mentally engaged in the process. And then at the same time, getting them physically engaged in the process, because if I'm reading the scriptures and I'm praying and I'm focusing the lens of my mind toward God in worship, through, through liturgy, through prayer, through keeping the commandments through fasting physically. I, I'm I'm preparing myself and I'm I'm readying myself for the arduous road and I'm preparing the people around me for that arduous road ahead of us. I think uh, in 2020, we were all caught off guard. Uh, most of us, not all, I can't say all, but a lot of us were caught off guard by the novel cor- coronavirus. We didn't see it coming. And it plowed people over and it knocked us over. And some people were better prepared mentally and physically and spiritually to cope with it. And you saw the ones who weren't at all. And even now in 2021, we're still still dealing, or I am anyway, with people who are still unprepared for it. There's just no self-reflection, no no being in the game, just letting life and and the blows of life determine their course rather than standing up and saying, no, I have a sure mooring and I don't move. This is what it is. This is who I am. And though the information may change every day and fear may be, may abound, I have a sure hope and have a clarity of mind and a clarity of focus and have a new mental preparedness to deal with plague to deal with this really drastic change in life. Uh, In a way, Corona, for as awful as it was, really helped retool my mind and has helped me get into that place of being prepared for the worst and, and taking into account these contingencies for even things that I can't name. I can't articulate what sort of catastrophe will happen next, but I need to at least walk through all of the steps and be prepared for the worst so that I can be the best leader in times of struggle that I can be. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, to, I, in fact, the quote just came to my mind for what we're talking about the uh, it's once again, the wisdom literature that says in, in the old Testament that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I mean, so there you go. That's, you know, that's, that's setting it up. Uh, so what should people do with this? I mean, you know, I think I, I think we've got it across. I think people are seeing it. It's like, okay, you know, you got to know where you're headed. You got to get, uh, you got to get the things that will, that you'll need to head wherever it is you're headed for whatever your endeavor is. And then you got to get started in some way. You got to get momentum uh, and get used to the idea that, hey, this is something we can do. This is what we've proposed to do, whether it's be more prayerful, uh, big a builder church, build a business, have better family interactions. 
it's all doable, but it, it takes momentum and you're not going to get a hundred percent there overnight and that's okay. Uh, but like we're, we're being vague in general. What, what should people do with that in specific? Like how can they take that home and say, here's what I'm going to do with this today. Start. I think you've already said it. Start, start today. If you don't have a goal, set a goal. Set a spiritual goal. And that goal needs to be done in the community that you belong to. So write down a goal and go to church. Talk to your priest and say, this is my spiritual goal for 2021. Help me get started. Get me plugged into this church. This is, and beyond my my prayer rule, I want to be more engaged in my community. What can I do? I, that is that is about as practical as I can think of right now. I've got uh, people that I'm dealing with. They they want to fast, right? They want to be engaged. They want to learn how to fast. They want to be. They're preparing themselves for Lent already, and some of them are relatively new to fasting. So this is great. They have here's the goal. My goal is to be able to fast strictly, like an Orthodox person, to the best of my ability throughout Lent. It is. I've got a couple months. What do I need to do, Father Joseph? Perfect. You set the goal. You came to your priest. And now we will set your training regimen to get you ready to be on the path to succeeding and not failing for those 50 days of Lent. God bless you. You did all these people have already done all the steps. That is for me, that's as practical as it gets. Get a plan, get help and go. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's, I mean, truth be told, right? Like that's, and, and what I would say is in doing that, that's the time to start making those adjustments. That's the time to decide if I know ultimately where I want to head. I also have to recognize that the habituating of myself in these micro goals is, is incredibly important for building a firm foundation uh, to become more prayerful, successful, stronger, faster, whatever. So if I start to do that and I see that I'm still overshooting, you know, I'm still trying to do too much at once. It's okay to pull back a little bit still. It's okay at this point to still say, all right, we need to make some adjustments and, and rein some things in because the number one thing that is the mother of success in, in, in almost any endeavor is consistency. Like you ask any monk or anyone who's achieved any sanctity, I mean, you know, even pious lay people, it's consistency. It's like, oh my gosh, how did you get so holy? Well, I pray, I read the scriptures. Really? How often? Oh, like every day. I never miss it. I, I wake up in the morning, I do this. Or I, every day at lunch, I do that. I mean, it's consistency. I. I mean, look, you look at the top weightlifters, Olympic athletes, all you name it, the number one ingredient for all of them is consistency. Now, you know, consistent at what frequency that's going to vary, right? You know, uh, it, but nonetheless, whatever their frequency, whatever their recovery and frequency of, of activity is, it's consistent. And 
so like when you're starting to get a little momentum, if you realize, hmm, I'm still biting off more than I can chew, I think the next best question to ask is you got to give yourself the grace to still readjust. And then the next best question to ask is what is the absolute most I can do and be consistent? When people ask me for advice on prayer, that's my litmus test. What is the most you can do consistently? Because if you tell me whatever it is, we're going to start with that. With the most you not not just can do, excuse me, will do consistently, because like maybe you could read two kathismata of the Psalms. That's like twenty Psalms, because each kathisma is like average is about ten Psalms, roughly. Uh, they're not all even. Some are more, some are left less. So, but kathisma seventeen is one Psalm long, because it's super long. Um, in any case. But say you can do that, but will you? So yeah, what is the most you will do consistently? Start from there. Um, You know, that's that. So yeah, it's in the doing. It's also in the adjusting and just saying, all right, what's the most I'll do consistently? Start there. But man, you can't stay there. And that's the thing. And that's, that's, I think, I think maybe that's something we, we get into later because you start there. And it's a good start, but it's 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 not enough to stay. It's a training program. Uh, you you said it uh, better than I did, but you alluded to people coming to you. So it's done with you don't you don't go. You, you can lift a lot of weight. You can lift far more than I can, but you don't go to the gym and put two hundred pounds on both sides of the bar and do it by yourself, do you? Do you ever do that kind of weight without a spotter? Uh, no, that would be, yeah. So that's where danger comes in. That would be stupid. That'd be be, a very bad idea. And which is why I'm so proud of these people here that are starting to prepare now for Lent and that they came to me looking for a strategy. So you need an end. We talked about this even back when we did addiction. Uh, when, When you're an AA, when you're an NA, you're assigned a sponsor. And that sponsor is supposed to walk alongside you to help make sure that you don't get out of whack. So part of the mental training, part of the preparedness is making sure, especially when you're new to something, that that you have somebody to show you the way, somebody to to show you what is too much, what's too little, and to help you to help you in that discernment process so you don't hurt yourself or so that you don't underdo it and atrophy instead of gain strength and momentum. So like, yeah, perfectly said it's that, that give and take that, that flexibility and to, to go as far as you can, but know your limit and not go too far. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, again, it's all, it's all with, again, I guess this goes back to the goal speaking thing, because what's driving, like, how do you know which thing to do? It's well, which thing, which thing creates consistency, which thing gets you where you're going? You know, it's like, well, is it do, is it better for me to pull back? Is it better for me to go forward? Like I, I want to, gosh, one thing I've suffered from, I like, I, I'll get, I've gotten it several occasions, tendonitis because I, I have like, oh, I don't need a rest day. I don't need to rest. I'll rest my arms later. And then, you know, I end up with tendonitis and well, it's like, so like, I don't want to take a rest day because, which is stupid. You need to rest. That's when you recover and grow. Uh, but my, my, my goofy brain says, no, we, we got to keep going. We got to keep working. 
well, what gets me closer to where I want to go? A properly timed rest and nutrition recovery day would get me where I'm going faster, actually, than saying we're going to work, we're going to wear this thing out one more day. That's actually going to slow you down. So you got to look and say, what is actually helping? Um, you know, I want to fast. This is something else that comes up in the Desert Fathers. You get people who want to do these great ascetic feasts and they, they want to fast like this and they want to sleep on the ground and this and that. But their spiritual father, right, like a good sponsor in recovery, their spiritual father looks and says, yeah, at, at where you are at your stage in the spiritual life, all this is doing is puffing up your pride. This is just feeding the worst parts of your character defects. And so like you'll see that in the Desert Fathers where someone is really proud that they're doing these extreme ascetic things and one of the great old men will tell them like, stop that, <laughs> just fast normally. Like, like I think I was reading one the other day, the guy was really proud of himself that he only drank water and would not eat bread. So he was just like eating like raw or boiled vegetables. And he was super proud of it, pride, right? So he's getting puffed up. And the old man's like, stop doing that. Have some lentils, eat a little bit of bread. And if your stomach is bad, a tiny bit of wine. Like, I mean, in other words, like, chill your overscrupulosity because we're feeding your pride, not your spiritual life. So like, that's, that's another thing. It's you're getting momentum, but you need the discerning eye of someone who's been down the road before so that you don't waste time in sort of pseudo productivity, pseudo productivity. Um, you know, I, I, there's in the prayer of St. Ephraim, the Syrian in Greek, um, one of the, the things, you know, the first half of the prayer say, I my the English I have memorized for the prayer is like the Slavic version. Lord, master of my life, take from me the spirit of sloth, faint-heartedness, lust of power, and idle talk. Um, the Greek reads a little differently. One of the words in Greek that you're asking, in Greek you're actually asking him to not give you these spirits. And one of the words is actually periergias, uh, which is like pseudo-works. It, it gets translated as meddling, but it's pseudo works. It's busy bodiness. It's like, it's, it's pseudo productivity. You sure look busy, but man, it ain't actually achieving much. And, and that's, especially if you're trying to go anything alone, that's a real danger. So if you could, in a sentence or two, how would you recap, um, this podcast? Uh, wise words by two of the handsomest, most influential individuals ever to grace the airwaves. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Tagline. Uh, <laughs> but if, you know, but for, for, but in case that doesn't quite uh, hit the mark for what our listenership was hoping for, uh, I don't know how it couldn't, but in case it doesn't, uh, I, I'd say, if you know where, if you know where you're, if you know where you want to get headed, get going. Don't, you know, the, get going. Don't waste time. Don't take more time than you need to prepare. Don't take too little, but get moving. And the doing will teach you everything you need to know. Because if you overthink it, you, you may put way too much emphasis on the wrong stuff. 
and just never get started. So get started. I think the big thing is, you know where you're going? Get started, make adjustments. Um, and that, so I, I think that's, I think that idea of preparing by doing, preparing, uh, active learning, preparing by doing, that's, that's that's what I think is at the heart of what we're talking about here. My opinion. What do you think? I think it's spot on. Uh, I'll finish it. Uh, I'll tell it in a story uh, that will lead into our our next podcast. But there was a fellow who was planning to go race from the Arctic Ocean to the center of Antarctica. That's the wrong ocean. I, whatever. Planning to race to the center of Antarctica. You got the Antarctica part right, though, right? I, I did. Yeah, that, okay, that part awesome. I got right. Awesome. It's probably the Atlantic Ocean. No, no, it was the Atlantic Antarctica Ocean. is the one with the penguins, right? I think so. Yeah, got lots it, of it penguins. Is, is, yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, where they yeah. march, right? Yes. They march to the middle yes. of the to the island after you having saw walked hundreds feet. of miles. Happy feet. I have happy feet. Um, so. But he was going to race, and to prepare for the race, he didn't do merely academic work. What did he do? He got busy. He went and he stayed with the Inuit people up in uh, Canada and in Alaska, and he learned how to cope in a place that is dark half the year, bitterly cold, and where you can't grow anything. So he learned that horses are no bueno in the cold because they sweat they have spindly legs and big bodies and they go right down to their bellies in the snow what did he learn take a dog he learned how to make appropriate foods he learned the, the appropriate types of uh, food stores how far apart to space them in case there's winds and snow that can't be traversed he learned how far he and his men could walk so he even he, even though he didn't set out immediately to fulfill his goal what he did as you said get busy he didn't just sit down like and and start writing down a process he wrote down that process as he went out and he practiced he started training immediately so that the following year when the race happened he had everything he needed and he was prepared as possible so that when he did depart he was good to go and that reminds me of jesus with the disciples the first time he sent them out he sent them out and they returned to him. The last time he sent them out, he sent them out alone. The first was a training run. The second time was for real. And the church is that training ground. So get your butt to church. Get involved with your priest. Get involved with your community. Get into the training ground. So when, and get involved now and start training now so you can get out onto the road and be a dynamic living example of Jesus Christ in the world. Amen. Well said, buddy. Well, outstanding father. That was very well said. And I think that's a lot for our folks to chew on for tonight. I do appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. Uh, once again, like subscribe, leave your comments and do share this podcast with anyone in your world who think, who you think they might enjoy it. Once again, we're on anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and social media, Facebook and Instagram at 
on the Battlefield Podcast. Father Joseph, please close us in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, our true God, we thank you for having enlightened the world with your coming. We we praise and glorify your death, your burial, and your glorious third day resurrection, and your ascension and the giving of your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, your people. Please guide us in your ways, prepare us to endeavor along this journey that you've set before us. And may we all along the way make disciples and be discipled and glorify and worship your all holy and glorious name, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Go in peace and we'll see you all in two weeks.